Hello and welcome to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. Today in the studio, we are really excited to welcome Helena Kennedy. She is one of Britain's most distinguished lawyers and public figures. She spent her whole career um, giving a voice to those who have the least power in the system and championing civil liberties and civil rights. Her 1992 book, Eve Was Framed, led to a number of key reforms for women in law. And her new book has just come out. It's called Eve Was Shamed and asks the question, what comes after the Me Too movement? She forensically examines the new evidence that women are still being discriminated uh, against throughout the legal system from the High Court, where only 21% of judges are women, to female prisons, where 84% of inmates are held for non-violent offences, despite the refrain that prisons should only be used for violent or serious crime. She examines the so-called lifestyle choices of the Rotherham girls, uh, the failing of the current rules on excluding victims' sexual history from rape trials, battered wives being asked why they don't just leave their partners, uh, and the way that statistics hide the double discrimination experienced by BAME and disabled women. Uh, The list goes on, my friends, um, but this book is absolutely incredible at really dissecting those issues and looking for ways forward. It's richly detailed, it's really shocking, and it kind of radiates this this same fury that Helena herself has, this really productive fury that I know will start to change the way we talk about justice for women. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Helena. Helena, thank you so much for joining us on the Vintage Podcast. Welcome. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> We're very excited to have you. Um, so you wrote a book a little while ago called Eve Was Framed. Can you tell us about that book and why you've come back again for Eve Was Shamed? Well, uh, it was more than a little while ago, Lena. Um, (laughs) I I, I, Yes, you were being polite. Um, I'm now reaching a great age. Um, I I wrote Eve Was Framed in 1992. And it was after I'd I'd become a QC, a Queen's Counsel, and that gave me some sort of authority. And I thought I'm not going to be able to say, well, you know, she's just some young barrister. Um, Because I had been actually writing and complaining complaining about how the system failed women um, for, you know, quite a long time before that, a couple of decades. Um, but I, um, I, once I became a QC, I knew that I, um, that gave me the authority to be able to say, look, I've been practicing in the bar for 20 years now, and, and this, is, this is how I see it. Um, women are not well served by the criminal justice system, indeed not by other bits of the law either, but I knew this was my bit of the law. And I wrote the book saying, you know, it's not going to be surprising that law fails women because it was made by men. Men are the judges. Men are the people in Parliament. Um, you know, that most of the barristers and, the, you know, when I came to the bar in the 70s, only only seven, six or seven percent of the of the practitioners were women. And uh, and so, you know, and the women who went in, we all learned to do it like the guys, you know, we, we, we didn't. And so, um, but I became a feminist in the 70s and, and did all that thing of suddenly, you know, a light a bulb the goggles going are on. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and so, and, and I was, I went to, you know, all those consciousness raising groups that we all went to um, as young women. And I, I started looking at my area, which was law and my, my experience in the courts. I started seeing it through a different prism. And I saw that, you know, domestic violence was dismissed as being, you know, um, not real crime and get them to kiss and make up. And there was all this sort of thing where the police didn't want to be bothered with it. And, uh, and women were battered and bruised. And, and the, the system was just not serving women well. There was then the whole business of rape and the way in which women were dealt with in the courts. 
um, and the, you know that they were asking for it and that they if they were wore short skirts as we were all doing in the 70s mm. then of course they had it coming to them and and so that sort of slut shaming, as, as we as it's called now by yeah. young people. <laughs> what, what did um, people refer to it then? Oh, uh, you know, I, I, can't, like, I can't remember. But I mean, you know, that, <laughs> how many skirt people should be rightfully treated? Yeah, but I mean, it was it was it was it was the same stuff, mm. you know, which was that um, women were made to feel it was their shame mm. um, that they somehow must have brought this on their own heads. That the, the the shaming was of the women rather than of the the people who did these things. And um, and that was true in relation to domestic violence. So it was it was the victims who were that were burdened with the shame, and uh, and so I wrote Eve was framed, um, you know, challenging the Adam and Eve myth, which was that women had to carry the burden of you know, and that women it was women who'd pers- you know got Adam to commit the original yeah. sin, and so um, uh, you know the blaming of women, that blaming thing. And and the fact that women were not not believed in the accounts they gave of what happened to them, so we it gave rise to huge debate, denial of course by the institutions, by the profession, by you know by the men in the, in that world and judiciary all saying we are totally fair to everybody and we're mm. blind as to gender, um, and but it gave it gave rise uh, and momentum to. Um, to a sort of uh, women's organisations who were arguing for change, and uh, and and we've seen a huge amount of change. I mean, we've you know we have seen far more women going into law, far more women now you know sort of going into uh, sort of senior positions in in on the bench and the like. Um, but one of the things that has not happened. Is is the attitudinal underpinnings are still pretty you know mm. pretty un, untouched, I mean I I mean I'm not suggesting that there aren't you know men you know who are very alert to this stuff sitting now on the bench there are, but um, but there's still a huge amount of baggage that people bring into the courtrooms and jurors bring it in and um, and lawyers do and of course witnesses do and. And the judgments that are made of women are different kinds of judgments from the judgments that are made of men. Mm. The double sexual standard is still alive and well. You know, women being seen as being trollops and sluts and so on. Mm. And um, and of course, the the new technology, the internet, social media, is now uh, making women even more vulnerable to the kinds of cross examination that um, um, we've been trying to you know uh, challenge. So I, I don't see the, the level of change that I imagined I would have seen in, in nearly thirty years, mm. and it was really um, uh, it was the business of Savile and. Uh, and then the the Rotherham uh, scandals of Rob grooming Harris of girls and, yeah. and all all those all that stuff, um, and then of course it was it was topped off with um, Harvey Weinstein and then the Me Too movement and um, and you know the kind of naming and shaming that the internet allows for, and it seemed to me that actually it was really about women saying the social contract is not working for us. You know, the social contract is, you know, when when a wrong happens to you, when you are the, the, the victim of a crime or something um, terrible happens, you pass over your grievance instead of going around with a hatchet and, and, and uh, getting revenge, tomatoes. wild revenge. <laughs> you, you, you actually um, 
uh, hand it over to the policing, the institutions mm. of justice to to deal with. That's why it's the, the wrong. there's order in the law, the law and order, That's not right. just the. Yeah. And so and and so what women are saying with me too, and naming and shaming people sometimes anonymously, um, and um, on online, is that they're they're saying law has failed us, um, mm. and so we're not putting up with it anymore, and I think that that. While that is a wild justice and not satisfactory, um, it is a it's a kind of an alarm call to the legal system mm-hmm. that you're still not getting it right. And what is what is it that you're getting wrong? And why are we getting it wrong? And we're getting it wrong because we still haven't dealt with the unconscious biases, the ways in which um, women are judged. And and so you can tweak the law and you can um, you know do bits of law reform here and there. But um, a lot of it is to do with that binary thing of how real men are seen and what's permissible for men mm-hmm. and, and what um, is acceptable and what's not acceptable for women. And we still that's still so embedded in the... In the and, of course, it's about um, ideas of patriarchy. It's about power. And mm-hmm. um, we have to really uh, address that if we're going to get justice for women. Mm-hmm. So this is trying to go a bit... to go deeper and to say, look... Um, all, all of our efforts have, you know, have achieved great change. But if we want a real quantum leap in terms of securing justice for women, we have to be looking at attitudes. We have mm-hmm. to really be looking at those biases that, be, that, that do not give us good outcomes. Yeah. Um, what I found really um, useful about the book was that the real because you have this such the grounding in law, mm. and there's some stuff that I think when when people can be suspicious of the law, it's because it's it's you know it's always going to be that way. It's never going to change. Mm. And actually, the way you you describe it, it's it's easy to see how actually this this could be different in the future. And it sounds like it would take a long time, but it's it's good the way you you, you kind of report that how did you go about picking the instances for the book that, that you were going to include was that hard to because well, obviously it's all a symbol of, of the kind of wider problem you know like mm. there, there are so many cases I mean I, um, you know and they're not just my my own cases there are cases and uh, there are young women wonderful young women in my own chambers doing fantastic work um, um, lots of other young women friends at the bar who are continuing to do, the, you know, the kind of work that I've done over many years, and um, I'm now long in the tooth. But but their accounts of what happens in the courtrooms um, are, are included in here, mm. and so I mean, some of them are cases that I myself have been involved in. Um, um, which are inevitably at the more kind of grievous end um, because of seniority. But but many of the young women who are doing cases describe to me what's still going on. Mm-hmm. And so they're included there as well. Um, and, and it doesn't make good reading, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when everybody's saying, oh, really, we're, we're, everything's hunky-dory and it's all now yeah. sorted, it's not sorted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and women will tell you it. The women who are in there doing this job will tell you it is not sorted. Yeah, because the spectrum is important, I suppose, to see the whole picture. Because if people yeah. go, oh well, you know, that's an outlandish case, you know, it doesn't yes, always right. happen. But to see all the examples laid, laid is, is really shocking. Um, let's talk a little bit about your your choice to be a lawyer and and because you loved English at the beginning, and I know a lot of well, our I'm, li- I'm a book girl. I love books. I love <laughs> well, yeah, books. They're yeah, they're also book people. Yeah. Um, you you were you know you, you loved English, and and you've you've gone on to do so much stuff to do with books some include um you judged the samuel johnson prize uh, the orange prize the avon for poetry the guardian first book prize and you're also chair of the booker yeah um, so, so you've really you've really um ended up being so involved with books but but gone on this journey with law as well um what what 
drew you to law over books? Why did well, you go over to that side well, instead of I, our side? I, I suppose really because mm. because it was the activist in me. I mean, the, the, the business of, of wanting to see um, society change. Mm. And um, I, I think that, uh, I mean, some people would say, I always remember when I was young, I'm being challenged at a public meeting where I was speaking about how the law was, you know, was... was uh, you know, needed reform, and somebody saying, "If you want to do that, you should be in politics and not in the law." And uh, I don't believe that. You see, I think that um, um, you're in denial if you don't see the interface between law and politics and public policy. Mm. Because, I mean, now that I'm so much older, <laughs> I um, um, I'm interested in you know, I, I did individual cases, and from individual cases you learn so much. But I'm now sort of trying to think, how do we look at the bigger, the policy that you can change to make to make a difference? Um, looking at um, the ways in which, for example, how do you make a, a shift the way in which we um, widen um, the, the, the persons who are on the bench who are sitting mm. in judgment. You know, we've managed to get many more um, women onto the, in, into the judiciary, but you look at where they are and they're basically hunkering um, at the, the lower, in the lower echelons of the judiciary. Um, we still have very, very sparse numbers of women up in the sen- senior parts of the, of, the, of the profession and in the judiciary. And it's the same with partnerships in the, f- the fancy law firms and so on. Just look at the numbers and you'll see that they... That, Yes, we've got women in large numbers, but they're the you know the the rank and file. They're doing the mm-hmm. hard stuff. They're doing the lots of those those bits of law that are not as well as as well paid, and um, and that's the classic thing. And I heard somebody saying that, um, for example, in New Zealand, um, they they've managed to increase the numbers of women on the high court bench um, because the pay has not um, uh, um, uh, you know been commensurate with, with what you might earn as a commercial lawyer. So mm-hmm. all the guys are saying, well, I'd rather carry on being a commercial lawyer or go into arbitration and do all that and not um, be yeah. on the bench because it doesn't pay well enough. And it's so, not an ideal way to get equality. That's right. So I we're getting we equality <laughs> through, through the back door. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so if you stop paying a job well, then, then, then you know, the women will come, come in. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that um, I, 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 I want to look at systems and what, what, how do you create systemic change. Mm. And, um, you know, you can do it bite by bite, but, um, that, yeah. but to, to make the quantum change, then, uh, then we have to, it requires something else. Yeah. And that then it does involve, um, I think, writing about it and, and talking about it. Someone said to me recently, um, oh, but Helena, if you, if you keep on pointing out, you know, the, the law's failings and all that sort of thing, then women won't trust the law. It just, it just feeds back into, um, you know, it's the old mm. story about, you know, um, why would working class people apply to go to Oxford if you tell them that there's, you know, that it's, uh, there's, not, there's hardly yeah. any women to, um, mm. you know. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, yes, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling thing. thing. Mm. And so it's saying, don't tell people that the law fails women. You know, do you think women don't know? <laughs> do you think women yeah. really are, are so deluded that they think the law has been fabulous for women when they actually experience what happens when they're um, involved in, in things like domestic violence or yeah. they have friends who have been involved or family members or where they've experienced abuse and they're not able to get remedies or mm. where they know that they were too fearful to yeah. talk about what happened to them as children mm. or even as young women in jobs that they knew that mm. if they complained that they would be um, seen as a troublemaker. Yeah. And, you know, I remember as a young woman at the bar being told by a senior woman, don't, you know, complain about things and uh, and do this stuff because you're rocking the boat and you will not mm. be advanced within the profession. Yeah. 
it's interesting to me um your your uh, like um, very obvious kind of love of of fiction and fact and how those interplay mm. do, do you do you think that do, do are you unusual as a lawyer for somebody who reads fiction and is really interested in, in that side of things or, or and do you think think more lawyers should or do you know um i i well, I, I've always sort of used my reading as a way of informing me about the human condition. Mm. And and sometimes if a book has become well known or um, has been translated into a film, I've used it in, in addressing juries as to as to, you know, why things happen. Oh, really? and, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, Have you seen that great uh, yes, film? Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> you know, where the judge mm. didn't seem to be impartial. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, like, don't become yeah, a character. Yeah. And so um, mm. I, 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 I think it's, I think that mm. one of the things about the, about great literature is that it does, um, it, it, it's enriching quality is that it, it is that it takes us into places and into human experience that you might not have yourself, but somehow you 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 get to know and understand more about how human beings are and all the variety of of of, of our of the way that we are and and and, I, and that's what I love about it is that you enter other worlds mm. and that also happens you see i mean there's nothing more it's an incredible privilege to be a lawyer and doing what I do. Mm. And to act for people, often in extremis, at, the, at one of the worst times of their lives, where they're facing serious, serious consequences if things go wrong, and to be and to be involved in that with them, mm. um, and to stand by their side in dealing with that, um, is it, it is it is an amazing um, uh, privilege. And I and I've loved my life in the law, and so I'm not somebody who's sort of you know throwing brickbats at it because I, I I hate the law. I love the law. Um, and I think the law is an essential element of our society. The rule of law is fundamental um, to a civilized society. Um, but if we want it to deliver well and have the trust and confidence of all of the people, then you have to make sure that um, that uh, it's 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 you know it's meeting it's everybody's needs. Yeah. yeah. Um, if there were some books that you'd recommend to listeners to read, what, oh. would, what would they be? Is that a hard one? Oh, Do you well, have a favourite? Or... Well, 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 you know, for example, um, I mean, if I were to talk about non-fiction, mm. I mean, there, there, there are things like um, um, not all lawyers are, are good at communicating in a, an accessible way. Mm. Um, because they're great lawyers, because they, they're they're used Obsessed to the, 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 the language the, the language of law. Mm. Um, I love Philippe Sands' writing. Um, he wrote a wonderful book called East West Street, and um, and it really is dealing with international law and why we need international law, um, and the the trial the the trials at Nuremberg after the. Holocaust and the horrors of the Second World War and how we tried to create standards which were then to be set for the world. But he winds into a personal story mm-hmm. about his own family and um, and, uh, uh, and 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 the city from which they came and the lawyers who actually were the creators of international human rights law. And so it's just the most fabulous book. So East West Street, I would I would recommend. And I I think that um, there was a great judge on who was the president of our Supreme Court called Tom Bingham, and he wrote a fabulous tiny little book called The Rule of Law. And it explains for anybody why the rule of law matters and what it's about, and that the rule of law mm-hmm. is not what an awful lot of lawyers think, which is you know just law that's passed by parliament. It actually has to be imbued with human rights for mm-hmm. it to be um, 
seriously law that has you know that is that has values and that is more than just uh, a set of rules and so i and i so it's a lovely little book and i often go back to it and refresh myself from it uh, novels oh i've just read sebastian barry's uh, uh, most recent book which mm-hmm. was fantastic about um um the day's end or the end of days yeah, the, the end, end of, of days, days yeah. and it was about um um the american Indian War, the war with, uh, with the Native Americans um, and the way in which they were treated, and uh, then leading up to the Civil War, but about how it's immigrant boys who are the, the, in the armies and recruited to the armies, and they do so out of poverty and so on, but the, the, the savagery of, 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 and the inhumanity of what we did, I mean, what, what you know, uh, colonists did um, in America, and that's, an, I mean, w- while we're coming to terms with the whole horror of slavery, mm. I mean, there's an earlier story about, about the treatment of the Native Americans yeah, that is definitely. still not being told. Mm. And I thought the Sebastian Barry's book was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I actually have just gone back to, because I didn't ever read um, Robert Harris's um, Imperium, his things about um, Cicero, who was mm. a great advocate and so on in Rome. And, um, and so this, this vacation, I, my husband had read them and I, and I, and I read them this summer. Um, I also just read a book by a man called James Carroll, who's actually someone that I know, um, who himself was a priest um, and who left the priesthood actually at the time of the Vietnam War um, and who's married, and, um, but who's a very good Catholic, um, which is my background. And, um, and it's really dealing with the horror of the scandals of the covering up of abuse in the Catholic Church. And uh, he's a wonderful man, and it's a, a book called Cloister. Yeah. And uh, and I hope that when it comes to the UK Good that title. people people get it, yeah. Yeah, because you talk in the book about um, you know having the Virgin Mary in front of you as a kid a lot when you were yeah, in school. Yeah, absolutely. That was how we the had the ideal be. of the woman who was innocent, and then the, the Mary Magdalene. My, yeah, my, my, my granny used to say there'd be no bad men if there were no bad women. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. That was the stuff that you were filled with. Mm. And there is a thing about um, you know, it, all, you know, I mean. I was I was talking the other night to Neil McGregor about um, religion, and he's he's got a new book out about um, about religious artifacts and the and the role of deities in 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 the lives of people, and um, and about I asked I said to him why have religions been been so misogynistic? Mm. I mean, where does that come from? Why did you know has patriarchy been so rooted in religion and and uh, telling women that they are lesser and also that they are the source often of of mm. of, of um, wickedness and. Uh, and he and he thought that there was something in the the, the use of the metaphor of God as the Father, that mm. um, that we that we yes and and it's sort of set in stone this thing which is certainly the 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 you know Judaism Christianity and and Islam have all kind of taken up those things of the male Godhead, um, and uh, yeah. I, I, I do think that um, religion has played a very, very detrimental part in the business of, of relegating women to a secondary position and, um, and in sort of looking at uh, women's behaviour as, uh, as uh, um, you know, calling it into question all the time of what is good womanhood and, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that a woman's evidence might not be of the same value as that of a man. Have you heard the song God is a Woman by Ariana Grande? I yeah. can recommend it to you. 
Which is part of the incremental change we're looking well, for, we've I think. we said that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I love it. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about your wonderful book. Oh, thank uh, you, Lena. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Vintage Podcast. Wasn't Helena absolutely brilliant? Eve Was Shamed is available in audiobook read by Helena herself. So if you want her beautiful uh, Glaswegian tones reading the book to you, I'd really recommend it. Um, it's also available in ebook and hardback book. So do grab a copy. Um, I definitely have learned a lot and it's really structured the way I talk about justice and women with my friends. Uh, so I'd really, really highly recommend it. Um, thank you for listening to the Vintage Podcast. Uh, we are weekly coming out on Sundays. So do make sure you subscribe to hear more episodes. Uh, you can tweet us at Vintage Books or follow us on Instagram at Vintage Books to chat more about this episode. Uh, we always appreciate anybody who wants to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to a podcast it helps more people find us and therefore these wonderful books and um, so thank you very much for those of you who have done that so far uh, and until next time Bye.